Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. When you have an opportunity to go out to a farm, take it. That's my advice here. And we're here today at Langton Green, and we're at the farm location up in Millersville on Generals Highway. And we're fortunate enough to be sitting here with Diana Davis, who's the Director of Community Support. Did I get that right? Yes, and also the Director of Day Services. And Mike Ragland, who is a board member, longtime board member here at Langton Green. Yes, five years. Wow. Well, thank you guys very much for meeting me here and telling me a little bit about Langton Green. And, you know, Mike, I'll, I'll say a congratulations to you because you were just recently awarded from the Community Foundation of Anne Arundel County the Lifetime Achievement Award, the Carol Thompson Lifetime Achievement Award, which is quite a uh, quite a bit of laudatory. Uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? But I mean, you know, you not everybody gets something like that. And I mean, you've I'm, obviously been involved here a long time. I am truly honored. I spent my whole time trying to do these kinds of things quietly. So I'm somewhat surprised that anybody <laughs> even noticed I was there. <laughs> well, now you've got somebody blowing your own horn, and that's absolutely that's fine. That's well-deserved, well-deserved. Um, but I guess, you know, as we heard, and a lot of people don't know, but what is Langton Green? To explain the farm, we should start with what Langton Green is, like you said. So in 1982... A group of like-minded parents that had children that had intellectual and developmental disabilities were looking for a home for them. And, you know, that was during the era when we were deinstitutionalizing and taking um, individuals out of mental facilities and jails. So a group of like-minded people in 1982 started looking for some land. And in 1984... Boom, Langton Green the apartment complex was formed. Okay, now the Langton Green apartment complex, is that the one down on Arundel on the Bay Road? 3016 Arundel on the Bay Road. And two special facts about that that I always remember um, is that one, it was the first apartment complex of its kind to serve that population in Maryland. I look at what folks with developmental disabilities, you know, and, and as, as you mentioned, uh, Diana, that it was always a time of, you know, let's institutionalize. institutionalize. And I know that uh, John Leopold, when he was county executive, I mean, and, and it is more like on a physical disability thing, but it was like, no, the, this is a, a differing ability. And given the right tools and the right opportunities, there's very little that holds back somebody with a, that I find with a physical or, you know, a developmental disability. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is by Maya Angelou, and it says, we're more alike than we are different. And that is a lot of what uh, Langton Green was formed on in 1984. I mean, um, we wanted um, a couple of things to happen. We wanted one for the homes to be homey. We didn't want them to feel like where they had just came from. We wanted them to have a community and for it to feel homey. We wanted the houses to be clean, which was important. And then we wanted to make sure that we were able to provide staff that were able to help each of our individuals meet their maximum growth potential. 
whatever that was for each individual. And that differs, but we whatever they wanted to do, we wanted to support them in an individualized way. And there you have Langton Green's mission, vision, passion, and value statement, all in one. That's awesome. Now, how long have you been here, Diana? Um, I stopped counting, but... Um, <laughs> Who is your client? Age-wise, I mean, is there a restriction? I mean, eight, I'm assuming 18 and older. Well, we do 21 and over here. Okay. And we do adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And how does somebody get involved in here? I mean, if I were to have a, and I guess when does somebody get involved? If I have a child with with a disability, you know, when when do I start to look for something? But what happens is usually now the process has gotten a lot better. Um, so what happens is the child is usually identified throughout high school as someone that's going to transition into uh, residential or vocational services. And then they are um, connected with a service coordinator in Anne Arundel County, Baltimore County, or whatever that is, uh, whatever county they reside in. And then the service coordinator reaches out to um, providers like ourselves and some of our other friends that do what we do in Anne Arundel County. The family would tour, do the research, the individual would tour, they would have an interview, and then you would choose a place that was best for your child or if the individual chooses that we were best for them, then we start the process of admission. Up here on the farm, okay, and how how large is the farm right now? 13 acres. Okay, and this is a a working farm. Absolutely. And this is... You're giving your clients our work in the farm for the most part. Yes. I, I just pause because we, the clients is a little bit past that. We say individuals. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm going to change that right now. You just threw me off. <laughs> it went from clients to consumers and now it's just individuals. We like to stay politically correct. Pro- so. Politically neutral. Everyone's just the individual. So the individuals that are living here are actually farming the farm. Yes. And we have the apartment complex and then we have homes in the community, beautiful homes in the community. Um, so they are individuals are given the choice to work here if they like, or um, working in the community is always the preference. So we like to call this the hub where we teach job readiness, the importance of coming to work on time, um, social skills. And then we like for them to take what they've learned here and go out into the community and work. Because again, that deinstitutionalization is that we don't want people working in sheltered workhouses and all in the same places. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. And when you said, when you say go out into the community, I mean, are you placing them in a, uh, you know, a restaurant? Are Wherever you placing... So, I mean, I mean, it's not specifically within the living community. No, the same this place, just, the same way you and I would get a job. Awesome. And that goes back to our vision and our mission statement. Whatever that individual's growth potential is, um, we do a preference assessment. Whatever you want to do, you can start here and start learning some of those skills, getting up on time, going to work. Pushing them out and get them. That's awesome. And then a lot of times if things don't work out in the community because the community is not always as friendly to um, individuals with intellectual developmental disabilities. The great thing I love about the program that we have here is you can always come back to us. So it's not like when if something doesn't work out, they are left out. Come back. Well, whatever that skill was that you needed, they said, we'll work on it here. And then we also send them out with job coaches if they need that type of one-on-one support. That's awesome. The tool bag that they that they need for success and independent. Well, no one wants to leave here. Everybody wants to work here indefinitely. 
Yeah. And we're like, no, 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 go do what you want to do. <laughs> what do you want to do? This was just the place where we wanted you to learn. And then we do have some people that will stay here because this is what they want to do. But the majority of people want to work just like you and I in the community and secretaries and assistants and, and daycare. Cook, whatever it may be. Restaurants, yep. Yeah, there's really nothing that can hold them back again with the right tools, which is exactly what Langton Green is providing for them. I think that's the key to the whole thing. I came to Langdon Green through the Annapolis Civitan Club. And Ooh, it's, Civitan. its major social goal nowadays is individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I remember my first task with Langdon Green was 18 years ago, they needed generators. And so I, the Civitan Club was part of a foundation, still part of a foundation. The foundation is now called the Foundation for Children with Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. And so through them, we got generators put in the community homes. And the reason for it was very simple. Our people need a regular system. If you cut the electricity to that house and the basement started flooding, they couldn't adapt. And so a generator, a built-in permanent generator for that house did for them like nothing we could ever do, which was exactly what the, my foundation was designed for. Originally, you ask how you get involved. The Foundation for Children with Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities was set up by a man named Tom McNulty. He was in the Baltimore Civitan Club. And back in 1947, he had a son named Tommy. And they told him that he had intellectual and developmental disabilities. And the doctor told him to take the child, put him in an, an institution, Forget he's there and never go back and see him again because you got the money to do it and it's just going to be a trauma. And Tommy McNulty was not very pleasant about his response to the doctor. <laughs> but what he did was um, decide we were going to mainstream these children. And he set up this foundation. And this foundation has now given away tens of millions of dollars to groups all across the state. He helped sponsor the first training for special ed teachers in the state. Wow. He um, has groups throughout the area where the foundation will come in and give you a grant to build a house. And we've done that in medium size and small grants for the last 75 years. And the purpose of it is to ensure that each individual has the opportunity to meet their maximum. Whatever their maximum is, is all right. And we reluctantly acknowledge that we're not going to cure anybody, but we can ensure that they have every opportunity to get their very best. You know what I think is fabulous is that what you just said, as far as giving everybody the opportunity to do their best and everything else, in the little bit of time that we've been recording, I've heard that 19 different times. And that is your mission. And it comes out so strongly to everybody. 
What, uh, and I'm coming from a point of being naive here, but what is the difference, and it may be a medical difference, between uh, intellectual and developmental disability? If you think of like the autism umbrella where there's okay. like auspices of all different levels. So the intellectual would be something um, wrong um, mentally. And then developmentally would be something wrong where there was a developmental delay as the person was growing up somewhere. Okay. Well, I've got a question for you, Mike. And you, again, celebrating this Lifetime Achievement Award. But what was your why? I... Uh practiced law in Montgomery County and I moved down here and one of my clients from Montgomery County came down and we chatted and he told me he was taking me to lunch and he took me to the lunch at the Annapolis Civitan Club, which met every Wednesday back then. Turned out that uh, Sid, it was Sid, name was Sid Fishman. Um, he had been in Civitan in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And what I didn't know at the time was he was also the international president for Civitan International. And so he got us in. Um, the purpose of Civitan generally is just to build better citizens. It's not necessarily related to intellectual and developmental disability. Just make go out there and help people winterize their homes and do anything good for the community. You know, I think it's kind of fun. I want to inter interrupt you. We're and it's funny. We're recording this on International Kindness Day, which I kind of think is kind of unusual. I just, I just realized that. But as I mean, sort of the motto of the Civitans is to do good. Yes, and so basically, I came from there through Civitan and the foundation. I got involved with all of these IDD organizations through the state. And then, of course, I had um, ties to uh, things like the Maryland region of the United States Pony Club. And I had a foundation to take care of children, um, kids in Votech and the public school system. So I had a wide variety of different things. And on each of the different ones, I think there's 12 altogether, um, there was something I was interested in. Civitan basically, at least the Annapolis Civitan, was a social group. When I joined them in 1975, I was the youngest member of the group. I left in 85, I was the youngest member of the group. When I came back in 2004, I was the second youngest member of the group. <laughs> <clears throat> but they were all people who wanted to do something. Um, the leaders of all the banks in Annapolis, the head of the stockbrokers. I think we had five admirals and four generals. Um, and you had a great number of regular businessmen who just thought we should do something for the community. And the best example I can give you is in... 1939, the Annapolis Civitan Club did the first survey of low-income housing standards for the city of Annapolis. So it did a wide variety of things. But after the 80s, our basic goal has been to help the individuals with developmental disabilities. Now, that definition by the way it's structured means you, it must be a problem you had before you were 21. Okay. So it came from birth, basically. And the concept um, was those were the ones 
who had the greatest need and the fewest number of people helping them. Well, of course, I grew up with the whole program, but say in the last 30 years, 30 years ago, if you had a disability, you relied on your mom and dad to be an absolute terror. They either went in there with a baseball bat to fight for your rights, or you got nothing. Every parent that has um, a child or individual in their life that has a intellectual or developmental disability, know your research, know your rights. Like Mike said, get that baseball bat and know what to demand. There are certain things that each individual is afforded by DDA and CMS, which are the two people that fund the state, the organization. I feel many calls of people are asking like, well, you know, just my 90-year-old mother can't get to the doctor. Mm. And it's like, we've got a, a, a way to handle that. And it's amazing. And every time I talk to somebody else, I learn of a different service that's available either mm-hmm. through the state or through the county or through the city uh, or through an organization. I mean, again, there's a million organizations that are just doing such wonderful things and they could be a very narrow focus on, you know, whatever they want to do to somebody that's a little bit more broad. And I, I think also think it's a question of, as Diana said, knowing what your rights are. It's not unusual that you have an IEP and if you don't have an advocate sitting there saying you guys aren't following it, they'll be happy to ignore it. Sure. But when you go into the Board of Education and say, you guys didn't fulfill it, so now you're putting him in a private school and you're going to pay $100,000 a year to give him what you were supposed to be giving him in public school, you suddenly get the attention of the Board of Education in a hurry. And so it's a critical not only that the parents be advocates, but they really know what the system's for because the rights are now there. Back in 48, when and Tommy McNulty, there were no rights. You didn't have the right to go to school if you didn't sure. measure up. And now, basically, you have the same right as anyone else to go to that school, and the county's going to pay for it. All you have to do is make sure they perform. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a changed world. Obviously, it needs to change, continue to evolve and to change yes. and get a little bit better. Diana, what brought you here? My bachelor's is in psychology and my master's is in forensic psychology. So I always had a passion for the brain and how it worked and people. And my mentor, um, which was also my aunt, um, her I'm named after her. Her name was Diana. She worked at um, Rosewood adored her. I wanted to follow in her footsteps. She was a psychiatrist there. Okay. And that was an an institution. That was an institution. And she was very instrumental in the deinstitutionalizing of it, you know, and um, we got a lot of the individuals from Rosewood and um, the name escapes me, this place right here. Crownsville. Crownsville. The Crownsville Hospital. That's still there. Yeah. Um, Today, we still have a lot of those individuals from those two organizations. Oh, my word. That are okay. still living. Okay. How many individuals do you serve? Our census is usually around 110-ish. We might be around 107 right now. And you guys have, I'm assuming, have, as you say, we're putting them in, putting everybody into work into the communities and stuff like that. I mean, you've got your network of, of businesses that 
you know, that you can look to place individuals in and everything else that's all going for you, right? Yeah, we have um, staff that are dedicated job coaches. And then we have um, Denise Miller, who works here, and she um, supervises all of the employment services. So she makes contacts with the communities. She checks on um, how each individual is doing in their job in the community. Um, There's a dedicated, um, like, liaison for that here. Your staff. Mm. Mike, you're a volunteer, if you will. Yes. Uh, do you rely on volunteers or is this all professional staff that has to run the organization? This is a community farm and we could not do what we do without volunteers. And then also with our um, affiliations with like Civitan, I know Mike has been the president a couple times. I was the president for the last five years. I just stepped down. We could not do what we do without volunteers. And the good thing about volunteering at Langton Green, which is unique, is that another um, wow factor about Langton Green is that we are one of the only faci- residential facilities that has a farm. So two fun historic facts about Langton Green. One, the apartment complex was the first of its kind to provide those services to individuals coming out of that those um, hospitals and mental facilities. And then fun fact about the farm, we are the only one that has a farm that also provides residential and vocational services. So what do you grow here? Everything. So right now uh, we are at 13,330 pounds of produce for this harvest season. Oh my gosh. So we do... Wow. I'll just start at the beginning of the alphabet, but anything you can imagine, broccoli, kale, uh, bok choy. You're batting zero with me. I don't do vegetables really well. So. I'm trying to go down the alphabet. <laughs> Radishes, potatoes, sweet potatoes, oh, wow. pumpkins, um, tomatoes. What am I missing, Mike? I'm trying to do the alphabet because we usually do the whole Zucchini. alphabet. Squash, Zucchini, Zucchini, watermelon. <laughs> Okra, (laughs) Um, lufas, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, lemonade blueberries, which is a hybrid. Where does it go? Oh, so uh, we grow it here and then our produce um, goes back to the individuals that we support. And a lot of those individuals, like I said, if we got the people that if we got the individuals that came from the deinstitutionalization. They're elders now. So a lot of our produce goes to the, our homes with elders, any of our homes. To help feed them. And and it's very specific. So our farm manager sends out like a checklist of like, what do you want? Because everybody doesn't like okra. So we will grow specifically what the houses want. And then we set up a box for them and we deliver it every week. We also have fresh eggs that we deliver every week. And then what's left over, we give to the Maryland Food Bank and the Lighthouse. And that was left over. Then from that, we sell on Saturdays during our growing season. We have a store here where we sell our produce. And that's right on General's Highway in Millersville. 844-846, General's Highway. And you can get it two ways. You can come 97 and come south, or you can come up past uh, through Crownsville and stuff like that. Either way, it's really easy to find. I wanted to talk about a quick expansion from the store that we're going to be. Our store was a hit. We were open every Saturday We had lots of customers. We knew all about customers by name. It was the first time we've ever done a store here with what we've had left over. But next year, we are starting a CSA program. Oh, wonderful. 
And there's going to be two pickup locations, one in Anne Arundel County and one in Baltimore City where you can pick up your CSA box. That's awesome. That's fantastic. We are super excited about that. How did somebody volunteer here? And we what, can get into and what, our, and what and what do we do if we volunteer? Oh, I think I left off on that thought. I wanted to share with you the unique thing about about volunteering at Langton Green is that whatever your interest is, we can support it here. So, I, I, a lot of other places you volunteer, you are to do what they need you to do, which makes sense. But we have a different approach since we're a community farm. We say to our volunteers during the orientation, "What do you like to do?" And so we have people that are master gardeners. We have people that say, hey, I just want to hold a chicken. <laughs> we have people that say, you know, I used to be a carpenter. We have people that say, I used to be a home remodeler. You tell us what you want to do to help us, which is our approach. We get more buy-in that way. And right now we have a uh, pretty good set of volunteers. Um, I want to say their names, but then I don't want to say their names, but I love them so much. And they each have a special skill and they do, that is what you do at the farm. That's what I, that's the difference here. Like we don't tell you what to do. We say, what do you want to do? Just goes through this whole thing here. I mean, that you're, you're creating a program for individuals that's going to work for the individual person and bring them the best that, that they, they can possibly do. You're doing this on your volunteers. You're saying, okay, well, yeah, okay, we need the the, the goat poop scooped up, okay? And I'm going to talk to you about goat yoga because I heard you do goat yoga. And chicken yoga. <laughs> and chicken yoga, which is better. I'm torn. <laughs> but, I mean, you, know, you, may, you may have a need to have the goat poop scoop, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now somebody may want to do that. That's great. But – you're not saying, okay, well, here, that's what you're doing today. You're giving somebody that are passion to swing a hammer or to, you know, hold that chicken. Our volunteers go different ways when they come here. I, and I just love it. Like um, one of our, my um, newest um, friends of the farm, I said, came to me and said, you know, I want to build um, a sensory garden. Boom. She did it. It's awesome. And then that's where I, w I do therapy with the individuals. I do animal uh, sister therapy with the individuals. Okay, and this so that's, beautiful place she built for me. So that's and she decided to build a sensory garden. That's amazing. So this, I mean, so you're doing actual, th you know, therapy. Some, you know, I guess some physical and mental and therapy therapy. So I'm a certified animal assisted psychotherapist. Okay. So my job is to use the animal as a medium to connect with individuals. Uh, I have a lot of clients that have autism and PTSD. Mm -hmm. And the animal just works as a medium. And we work through, we have a treatment plan, just like any other type of therapy or counseling. And we use the animal to work through those needs. Animals are wonderful. Well, they don't judge you. And they're the medium that... Uh, you haven't met my cat, but okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> have you met our cat? Yeah. He's right there. On no, I haven't, but I will on the way out. <laughs> All of our animals here are... Um, certified animal ambassadors and we use them in some way to benefit the community. So whether it's through that therapy or um, we've done children's parties. Um, and then I wanted to make sure I finished my thought. You asked, how do you volunteer? If you go to our website, there is a link that says, how do I become a volunteer? And everything you need to know is in that um, tab that pops up. That's awesome. Do you work with um, students? 
Oh, yes. I, I mean, because uh, I mean, high schools trip. all have to have that volunteer hours and stuff like that. Does that we do that? And then we also um, have field trips where um, children come here in the summertime. We host like a week long field trip. We just had two groups come here. We partner with St. Andrews by the Bay, a lot of the churches, um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. And then we go to schools like we'll bring our animal ambassadors to schools, to the senior centers. So where does Coat and Chicken Yoga fit into this? This is just for the individuals that are here that just as a, a form of exercise and... It's therapy. It is also a great form of exercise and it's open to the community. And it's um, animal yoga is what we call it because each week we try to switch ambassadors. So um, we'll do the goats, then we'll do... Um, chocolate chip, which is my bunny rabbit, and then we'll do the chickens, and then we'll do the Polish chickens. And so there's four weeks in a month. So each Saturday, you'll get a different animal ambassador if you come. And so you can come up here and, and is there, there's a fee for that, I'm assuming, to, to do the yoga class. Maybe in the future. Right now, we don't charge. We really? just say bring your own yoga mat and um, come on out. That's fantastic. I was going to say, the volunteer program goes the entire limit up to the board of directors itself. The board of directors of Langdon Green, parents of people who stay there, cannot exceed, cannot reach 50% of the board members. So at least 50% of the board members plus one are all volunteers. Right now, I think we got five lawyers, three of which have children or relatives in Langdon Green. Um, we've got um, two bankers, you name it. we got social workers, anything you could dream of. People come in, volunteer, and we put them on the board. You know, I've got to say, I've talked to probably 100 different organizations over the years on for these podcasts, and I've never seen the passion come through like I'm seeing from Mike and Diana here. I mean, it's, every, every single word well, I is... Well, the reason for that is... We like success. And each of the charities they're recognizing in their own way had their own success. Langdon Green, as she said, was the first residential facility, and it has survived. And frankly, right now, you couldn't duplicate it because federal regulation says, well, we're not going to let these people live in the same place anymore. They got to be two miles apart or something silly. And we keep it because that's what our people want. And as long as it's what they want, then the regulations have to bend to make it possible. The concept was that when it came down, it, it, they were afraid that slowly but surely we were going back to being Crownsville. We were institutionalizing them. And the only way to make sure you didn't do that was to keep the houses as far apart as possible. The average IDD house has three to five people in it. At our apartment complex, we got 104 all together. It's an enormous building, and you still only got two or three or four people in the building. But you can throw a rock to hit your next-door neighbor. I mean, it's, it's an enclosed community. But they like the com enclosed community. They like the socialization. The fear was you were forcing them in there when that's not what they wanted. And with the programs we have now at Langdon Green for quality assurance, we make sure that what the resident wants is the primary concern. And when they come to say, 
show us the data. We can show them where we sat down and it was the resident who said, I want to be here or I want to be in a house all by my, off in in the neighborhood with three others, but I don't want to be here. And that becomes the key. And that's got to be the guiding principle. It's what they want, not what we want. You don't know. I mean, no offense, but you guys don't know anything. It's it's the people that are that, that are living the life. I mean, you, you, I just and I just think, and you're talking about like the, in a house with three or four other people. I mean, that that's a family. Yes, and it's roommates is what what children go to college. They have a roommate. Sure, adults have roommates. We have single apartments. You want to live by yourself? You can live by yourself. You well, that, live that's with two people, three I mean, people. There, my son is a perfect example. I mean, he's living and he he wants to live alone. He doesn't want to, yeah. you know, have have this. My daughter up in New York, you know, I I definitely want some roommates, and I like the socialization. I like to have yeah. somebody there to uh, laugh at a television show or muse about the you know the rotten tomato that we got off of the farm this week. Yeah, that's that's crazy that some Which bureaucrat part? turns around and says this is the way it needs to be because. They no, think they know it he all. Was, he was addressing, like most rules we have nowadays, you have a particular problem, and when somebody presents you with a particular problem, you come up with a rule to cure it. Well, unfortunately, the rule doesn't necessarily take care of everybody's problem. Sometimes it actually creates the problem. Our people are going to be together to a certain extent anyhow. Very few of them could actually maintain a house and cook all the meals and do the things you and I force ourselves to do every day. They just aren't physically capable. So they're going to be with somebody else. Whether they're going to be with four other people and the closest next-door neighbor related is going to be two miles away, or whether they're in an apartment complex where the next-door neighbor is 15 feet away, isn't what based on what their personality is. I like being off by myself because I'm a hermit, but most people would prefer to have slow, um, social contact fairly close. And I'm the opposite. I want to live in that community. You want the setting. community. So I, I just love the fact that we say, where do you want to live? And then we accommodate that through a preference assessment. And like Mike said, we cannot be duplicated. That there will never be another, unless the legislation changes, apartment complex. We fought for ours. We fought for heightened scrutiny to keep it because it was what served our population the best. And I mean, like, it's a community. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there is I mean, a I've seen it. pavilion. I've... There are chairs. There are benches. There are walkways and trails. And... We won't be duplicated. We can't be duplicated in all sincerity and all modesty. Um, you are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you obviously do take donations. You can go to langtongreen.org and make a donation there. Um, and there's, you know, or you can write a check and mail it in or take it, take, take it any, way they, <laughs> any, any way they get it. But where do you get your funding? I mean, obviously to maintain, you know, the, the properties, the buildings, the programs for the individuals, that are in the program. Where does that, I mean, grants, I'm sure, play a role in there. And is there... So we are funded through DDA and CMS. So that's the state and the federal government. And then we have a whole grants committee, a whole grants committee where we get um, a lot of funding. And then I'll let the logistics come from my friend on how we're... The lawyer. Okay. On how we're funded. (laughs) Basically, the government 
pays you for each person who spends the night in our facility. Mm -hmm. They also pay you for each person you have in your daycare program or in your employment program. So the federal government has an, an allowance for each person, depending on what their needs are, their financial status, their physical requirements, and what they're interested in. Um, and so you have to do that. And again, Langdon Green led the way, where we now go in and literally sit down and each person running a program with a group, whether it's taking you to daycare or sitting there training you doing COVID when you couldn't go out. And every hour is documented, showing exactly how many people you took, serviced and how long they were there and what you accomplished. And now that's a requirement that all the organizations are going to have to match. But Langdon Green was first. And in the Quality Assurance Program, where we went through and set up the questionnaire for the residents and how we ensure that they have the right to express what they want and get it, was also a first that Langdon Green did that's now required of everybody. So Langdon Green's been the spearhead for getting all of this done. They haven't beaten their chest and screamed and hollered from the rooftops, but they certainly earned the right to do that. Sort of sounds like you with your award with the Community Foundation yes. as, as well. Way to go, Mike. Right, well, you guys can put your heads together as we start to wrap this up. But what would surprise somebody listening to this? Just shock them, surprise them about Langdon Green. Well, let's talk about our other community activities. Okay. So on the weekends, we do Zumba, yoga, uh, touch tones, which is kind of like a debate, which is used in a school curriculum where we come and we talk about a certain topic. We have a sewing group. We have lots of community activities on the weekends. That sets us apart at the community farm because we want the community to come in. We have pick your own days where you come pick your own strawberries, blueberries, and blackberries come pick your own pumpkin um that's pretty fantastic how did you guys get get the properties i mean was it a donate a donation at some point that somebody donated or did Hit you it might i can't uh, i assume we bought i know we bought it it just came available and they got together and we raised the money and bought the and so, and so, 13 hey, acres hey it would work yeah it, it worked it has it has been a struggle from time to time but we've had some marvelous people. Um, John, John Iaquinta has the ability to envision what this can become. And he has just gone ahead and done it. And um, the executive director, which is his, his wife, um, Kim, can take you through these regulations like they make sense. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it is truly all inspiring. But I, I think if you ask me what I found most surprising, um, and it's sort of embarrassing, but I don't feel sorry for them. When I was growing up, 10, 12, 15 years old, there was a little girl next door. I thought she was a little girl. She was really 30. She had Down syndrome um, and lived at home because that's what you did in the 50s. She was very nice. And I regularly felt terrible that she wasn't going to get any better. I don't feel terrible now that they aren't going to get any better. I see what they can do. I can see they enjoy themselves with what they're doing. And therefore, my expectations of what they ought to be able to get 
is irrelevant. They're happy. They're getting what they want. And we're making sure they get everything they're entitled to. And so I rejoice at their success, I guess, instead of being sorry for what they've lost. That's beautiful. And I thought of two things, two other things that's super cool about Just the Farm. Go for um, it. We partner with Nature Sacred. And um, Nature Sacred, we call ourselves Fire Souls. And they are a group of um, individuals that want to do two things. They want to, one, create uh, places where people can enjoy nature. It has to be community-led. And it's all about biophilia, which is a big word that just says nature heals. So if you come to Langton Green Farm, you'll see these beautiful posts. It just directs you to one of our nature sacred benches. Inside the benches is a journal where you can sit and just journal whatever you're thinking of. You can just sit and take, it's called a sit spot. You can just sit and take in nature. And then the, another thing that um, helps with that biophilia, you've just seen one and then maybe the ones where you came in, but we've got these beautiful murals that Cindy Fletcher. Cindy Fletcher Alden. And Cindy Fletcher is just the coolest person I know. She paints murals, boats, houses, her jeans unintentionally. <laughs> and we got a grant through the Arts Council and she did these beautiful billboards and murals and they're lifelike and they're of our animal ambassadors. I was, I was talking to her recently and this, this project is one of the most meaningful ones that she said she's, that she's done. We love Cindy. Well, I'll tell you, I want to thank you both so much for your time. I want to, more than that, I want to thank you for all that you do for Langton Green and our community because, I mean, uh, you know, we have folks with, you know, intellectual and developmental disabilities are our community and they're not a separate community in that hospital in Crownsville or something like that. And the fact that you're giving everybody the, every opportunity that they deserve and can achieve is, is absolutely incredible. And as I said, I mean, I don't think I've seen passion come through in anybody that I've talked to quite so strong as I've seen from the two that are sitting across the, the table from me this morning. Twins. <laughs> so before we close out, would it be OK if I gave our social media handles if anybody wanted to reach us? You absolutely can. I'm going to include them in the show notes, too. But absolutely, whatever plugs you want to do, because I think everybody needs to know about Langton Green. So please follow us on Facebook. We have two handles, Langton Green Community Farm and Langton Green Happening. And then we also have a YouTube page. Um it's Langton Green, come grow with us. And then I wanted to everybody to have the pleasure of going to www.langtongreen.org and linking to our newsletters. Um, we have a farm newsletter and then we also just have a regular newsletter to let you know all of the great stuff we're doing in the community and all the resources. And then we have a virtual Langton learning site. That is um, one of a kind. So if you cannot get to the farm for any reason, like if um, it's too hot or if you have um, a physical disability or anything that prevents you from getting to the farm, you can experience the farm virtually through our Langton Learning website. Whatever we're doing here, we are broadcasting it as we do it. Yet one more surprise that Diana comes out with at the very end as we close <laughs> yeah. it out. Uh, Diana Davis, thank you so much for your time. And Mike Ragland, thank you so much for your time and your service to Langton Green and your service to the community through the Civitan. And your award. And the award. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. 
please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.